If you have your Bibles, turn with us to Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to look back in Hebrews again. We've been away from this book for a while. I don't know if we're going to be back in it next week or not. Um, but we want to look in, in chapter 11, we want to look at two verses. There just may be some young ladies or some women that's wondering, you know, he spent time preaching about men in this chapter. And when he got to a woman, he just ran and abandoned it. <laughs> so we would have pick up there in case you were thinking that, that that wasn't that I just abandoned it. We just trying to follow the Lord's leading. Um, Hebrews 11, verses 11 through 12. As you're turning there, the... Automobile genius, the genius that he is, Henry Ford. I know you got some of you men around this area would say that he was far from a genius, but he was a genius. He was a genius. I know there's a lot of Chevrolet lovers and <laughs> Dodge lovers, but I love the Mustang. <laughs> Ford, <laughs> I love the Ford. But anyway, uh, the genius Henry Ford once devised a revolutionary plan for a new engine. Now, today, we would call this engine the V8. Ford was eager to get this great new idea into production. He had some men draw some plans and present them to the engineers. And as the engineers studied the drawings, one by one, they came to the same conclusion. Our visionary boss needs to study more about fundamental principles of engineering. They knew that they were going to have to go to him and find a way to tell him that his dream was impossible. Ford said, produce it anyway. They replied, but it's impossible. Ford's reply was, go forward with the plan. So they stayed on the job and he told them, stay on the job until you succeed. No matter how much time this would take. For six months, they struggled with the drawings. Drawing after drawing, design after design, nothing proved to be Productive. Another six months went by and still nothing. At the end of the year, Ford checked with his engineers and they once again told him that what he wanted was impossible. Ford told them, keep going. And they did. And they discovered how to build a V8 engine. So Ford was the first to build the V8 engine my question is have you ever been told something that you wanted is impossible <laughs> oh yeah we're lumby people most of us in here we've been told that haven't we yeah if you belong to another race I'm pretty sure at some point or another somebody said this is impossible I, you know most pastors especially in rural churches, have heard this is impossible. It's just rephrased in the, in the form of, we've never done that before, preacher. 
<laughs> I thought you would have chuckled at that. Yeah. Have you ever told God that something he wanted you to do was impossible? Has your faith been strengthened when God revealed how possible it can be if we place our faith in him? When we look in today's text, we find that this is what happens to Sarah. When God said that Sarah would bear the promised seed. In verses 11 and 12, in chapter 11 of the book of Hebrews, the Bible says this, By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. This is God's holy word. God, we thank you for this day that you've given us. We thank you that with you all things are possible. God, we thank you that we can come before you and know that the God of heaven hears us. We thank you, God, that that we can be assured of the security of our salvation. We thank you, God, that you've you've made it possible, not through our goodness, but through your love and your design and your son who was obedient unto the cross, even unto death. So, God, we just thank you for loving us in spite of who we are, And we pray that you would move upon us today and do what we may think is impossible in our lives. And God, as as you move and minister, we want to give you praise and we want to give you glory and honor for all that's accomplished. For you are the God of, of making possible the impossible. So now, God, have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Make impossible the impossible. Faith in the impossible. The writer of Hebrews defines faith this way, as the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And he gives gives illustrations of men exercising their faith. He shares Abel by faith provided a more excellent sacrifice. Enoch walked with God by faith. And God did not allow him to to experience death. The writer shares that Noah by faith prepared an ark in preparation of a flood when the world had never seen rain. He shares that Abraham by faith, he left his family and everything that he knew to look for a city whose builder and maker is God. So each of these men lived in faith of what the world would have considered impossible. For instance, Cain, Cain thought it was impossible for anyone to present a better sacrifice than what he could produce with his own hands. The world still thinks it's impossible to walk and to talk with God. The world laughed and they taunted Noah until everyone died from the flood except Noah and his family. And they were saved because they were sealed in the ark of God. And I'm sure Abraham's family thought he was just crazy to leave everything that he knew to wander around 
But God (laughs) made him the father of a nation that would become the people of God. God made possible what the world thought was impossible. Believing what the world says is impossible is what we do whenever we trust Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. In the eyes of the world, it's impossible that God clothed in glory would come into a place where, or would leave a place where he's worshipped and he would come to this sin-cursed world and put on a robe of flesh and come in the likeness of men. But we believe he did. The world would say that living a perfect and sinless life is impossible, but we believe Jesus did just that. The world would say that it's impossible for man to rise from the grave three days after his death under his own power, but we believe Jesus did just that. The world would say that it's impossible for God to live within man, but we believe he does just that. The world would say it's impossible for God to speak to men, but but we who have been born again, we know that he speaks to us today. He speaks through his word. He speaks through his spirit. He speaks through his people. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is God. And we believe this. Sarah, Abraham's wife, she exemplified what it is to believe the impossible. Now, when we look at this text, we have to notice the reality of human faith in this. When we look at men like Enoch and Abel and Noah and Abraham, the indication is when we read through their lives is that they heard from God and they moved. I don't know if that's exactly what happened, but that would be the implication. It very well could have been that way. In my opinion, for them to hear from God and just move, it would would take enormous faith. After all, Enoch did not experience death. Abel pleased God. God called Noah righteous, and Abraham is called a friend of God. So it's possible that these men did just that, that, that God spoke and they moved. But often, the reality is that before we exercise faith, we may experience difficulty believing. Uh, my, oh, just three of us. Uh, you know, yeah. It's possible that we would experience difficulty believing. Hey, I, I, I found it difficult that God would call me into ministry. I found it difficult that God would even want me as his child. Am I the only one? You know, Sarah had difficulty believing God at first. When she heard the promise of God, she doubted the promise. In Genesis 12, what we find is that the Lord appeared as three men. And he talked with Abraham right outside the door of Abraham's tent. And Sarah heard through the tent. And when she heard the conversation, the Bible says that she laughed. And and when she laughed, then God overheard it. Verses 11 and 12 says that now Abraham and Sarah were old and, and well past childbearing age. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself saying, after I've grown old, shall I have pleasure? My Lord being old also? 
Well, there's something that you might not hear at most marriage retreats that Sarah called Abraham my Lord. I don't know how many women are going to call their husbands that today. And I'm not advocating for that, but it's just an observation in the scripture. Here she is being talked about in the scripture. It's, this is God's word and, and her story is here. And she called her husband, my Lord. Where's your story being written? Where's my story being written? Uh, that, we, we, <laughs> I have the distinct feeling that every woman alive would have had the same reaction that Sarah. That they would have just laughed at this message. I mean, when you're in your 80s, and the man that you're with's in his 90s, by all human logic, they're both sterile. And no one's having a child. <laughs> you, know, you, you know I'm a baseball fan. I'm a baseball fan. You know, it, it, it would have seemed, seemed that, Sarah, this is just impossible, right? I'm a baseball fan, so I, I, I've enjoyed watching a couple baseball movies over the years, and I've watched them over and over and over and over. And, and you've probably watched them, Major League and Major League Two. You know, there is a third one. It, it, it's, it's, it just went off the beaten path. But, but Major League and Major League Two... And for those of you who've never watched it, just in case there's someone who does live under a rock, they, they sit around the Cleveland Indian baseball franchise. And you know, the Cleveland Indians, this is before their name changed. They're now the Guardians. Well, this movie depicts, or at least the first one, it depicts uh, the team owner having a desire to move the team from Cleveland to Miami. Uh, we, who are baseball fans, know Cleveland has historically been unsuccessful. And so here she wants to move them to Miami. And, and, but for this to happen, the team would have to finish dead last that season. So she put together a ragtag team of uh, over-the-hill veterans <laughs> or veterans past their prime and some unnamed or un unproven rookies and so she's hoping that they lose the division terribly well the team found out about this and they just committed to themselves they were going to win everything and they did they won the whole division well in in the second movie now the city of Cleveland is excited the baseball team has a new owner a former player and the team has most of its players back, including one big star. And, and the star pitcher from the year before, everybody's expecting great things out of him. And the movie goes on to show that this team doesn't produce as expected. But the, but the crowd, the fans, they're just excited. They're, they're waiting for him to turn it around. But there's one person in the stands who feels it's impossible. And he, co- he goes to every game. And while he's at the games, he, he's heckling the players, especially the star pitcher. He heckles him so bad. The pitcher is known as the wild thing and the heckler is calling the, the vile thing. He is just, he's just angry and he has no hope. Everybody else is trying to have hope, but he's saying it's impossible until... They are in the championship series. And the pitcher comes out of the bullpen looking like the man from the year before. And all of a sudden, 
he goes and he strikes out the best batter on the team. And this heckler becomes someone who saw what was impossible become possible. At that point, he believed that the heckler could win or that the team could win. I wonder, I wonder how many of us, maybe there are some Christians who believe in God in such a way that you never doubt his promises. But I'm afraid for the most part, we struggle with doubt before we believe. After all, when we know how sinful we are and how wretched we have been, when we know that we deserve the penalty of our sins, And then just to think that God would love me in spite of me, that he would give his only begotten son for me. That if I would just believe, not work. (laughs) If I would just believe, not try to fix things. But if I would just believe and not try to bear my own sin. but if I would just believe in God's son that I could have everlasting life. The reality is for some, this seems impossible. It seemed impossible to me for a long time and I was convinced that God would not want me. God would not love me. God wanted nothing to do with me. I turned my back on him and he just was done with me. I just couldn't see how he could care. And maybe there's some that are in this same dilemma. Well, I want to share with you, I'm so glad that my doubts didn't stop my faith. And your doubts don't have to stop your faith. I understand you may have doubts and doubting yourself is okay. But the reality is for most, and this is a reality for most believers, but I want to encourage you to place your faith in him. Don't worry about what you've done. Consider what he's done for you. Jesus came to live the life that you couldn't live. He died the death that you deserve and he rose from the grave to give you victory. And the promise of the Holy Spirit to dwell with us, to lead God and direct the he promised that he would never leave us nor forsake us so he's promised that the impossible it may seem impossible for us but he through him he can make it possible for all of us and I encourage you place your faith in him and what he can do through you because there's a reward for true faith Sarah struggled Sarah struggled with the thought of getting pregnant at her age, especially with her husband, Abraham's age. But she began to consider who made the promise. It was God, the creator of the world, the one who spoke the world into existence, the one who carved man out of the dust of the ground. Sarah considered this, and the change in her was dramatic. If God was making the promise then God could be counted faithful. God's always, he always fulfills his promises. Despite our human impossibility, God is able. Even though all reasons spoke against it, God is able. Even though nature had to be overridden, God is able. So Sarah's doubt turned to faith. She trusted the promise of God and her faith was rewarded. At the age 
of 90, she bore the promised son. God is faithful. (laughs) And because Sarah believed in what seemed to be impossible, God rewarded her. But he didn't just reward her, he rewarded the whole world. What I mean by this is because she believed in God, she gave birth to the promised son. And giving birth to the promised son, it gave birth to the nation of Israel. And giving birth to the nation of Israel, it gave birth to our Savior, Jesus Christ. Romans 9 and 5 teaches us that Christ, according to the flesh, came from Israel. Sarah believed in the impossible and God rewarded her. And every person who professes to be born again by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for their sins, we exist simply because Sarah believed that in the impossible promise of God. She believed the impossible could be possible only through God. Now, Billy Sunday said, God delights in the impossible. You know, the world thought it was, or the Bible teaches us that Jesus went to Jerusalem on the Sabbath. He entered into the the temple or into the city of Jerusalem by the sheep gate. And there at the sheep gate, it was called Bethesda. There was a pool there called Bethesda. Around the pool lay multitudes of sick people. Some were blind, some were lame, some were paralyzed. They were all waiting to hear water move because they knew once the water moved, it was stirred by the angel. And and when that took place, that the first in the water would be healed. (laughs) Well, Jesus approached a man who had been lame for 30 years. It appears that this man had lost all hope. For when Jesus asked him the question, which was a yes or no question, do you want to be made well uh, all day long? It, it don't matter what English professor you ask. That's a yes or no question. He did exactly what you and I would do. Instead of giving an answer, yes or no, he gave an excuse. And his excuse was, but I have no man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred. I would imagine Jesus may have wanted to say, I didn't ask you that. Yeah, have you ever asked somebody something and they gave you a response and your reply was, or if you didn't even reply, your first thought was, that ain't what I asked you. Yeah, yeah, if you got children, that's happened in your life, yeah. If you got grandchildren, that's probably happened in your life. Uh, if you were a child, you probably heard that from mom and daddy. Uh, and this is what takes place. He just asked, he asked him a simple yes or no question, but the man gives an excuse. <laughs> but Jesus asked him, or told him from there, he said, rise, take up your bed and walk. Now the man had to exercise faith to begin to rise. And as soon as he exercised his faith, he was made whole. Someone here today may be like this man. Jesus is speaking to your heart, asking, do you believe that I love you? 
Do you believe that I died for you? Do you believe that I will forgive you of your sin? Do you believe that I will save you? And you're just wanting to offer excuse after excuse after excuse. I've gone too far. I've failed you before. I can't serve you with the job that I have. I can't serve you at the school that I go to. I can't serve you in the home that I live in. Or how about I might lose some friends. Some may be saying, well, I I can't let go of the past and forgive those who have hurt me. You may be thinking it's impossible, but God delights in the impossible. He desires to show you that it's possible. If you could take your eyes off of yourself for a few moments, take your eyes off of your circumstance and just consider who's making, who's speaking to your heart right now. You'll find that all things are possible in him. All things are possible in Christ Jesus. If you believe, he will reward your faith. He will cast away your sin as far as the east is from the west. He will choose not to remember your sin and never bring it back to your remembrance. He will place his Holy Spirit in you to lead you and to guide you as you walk in a newness of life. He will give you a a new family and put people in your life who will encourage you on this path. And the more you love him, the more your desire to forgive others just as he has forgiven you. You'll find that when you believe, God makes possible the impossible, it'll change your life. Mary Magdalene Elingle writes, if Mary had the courage to take the impossible into her body can we not have the courage to take it into our hearts here's a woman who had never known a man but she gives birth to the son of God God made the impossible possible Every head bowed, every eye closed. I don't know where you are today. I don't know what you think is impossible for God to do in your life. But I know that God can do all things. The God who separated day from night. The God who separated the water from land. Just by the sound of his voice, he can change your life. Give your life new and filled with hope. Filled with joy. Filled with peace. A life filled with love and laughter. Oh, I want to encourage you today. I want you to be encouraged that that God can do whatever you need him to do in your life. He can give you the grace and the mercy that you need as he moves and ministers on his time and in his way. 
question is, do you believe? Maybe there's someone who is born again, but you're dealing with things. You're struggling with doubt. This altar is open to you. This bench, this, these kneeling areas, you can come and you can talk to God. But if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, I promise you on the authority of God's word, if you'll make the step, he'll be right there with you the rest of the way. If you'll move, he'll help you step. If you'll trust him, he'll be everything to you that you need. He'll be a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He'll be your father. He'll be your mother. He'll be that person that you need in your life to walk with you in dark valleys. He'll help you climb treacherous mountains. He'll do everything that you need him to do in your life if you'll trust him today. He'll give you eternal life to where you can leave this place assured that when you do leave this world, heaven is your home. Would you today, as they begin to sing this song, would you today just trust Jesus? And as you decide to trust Jesus, I'll meet you right here. Would you come? Would you come?